Before we dive into today's conversation, I'm excited to share some recent updates on my website that you won't want to miss. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're looking to supercharge your leadership journey, and I'm excited to share that I've revamped not only the Aspire to Lead newsletter, but also the resource page on my website. As far as the Aspire to Lead newsletter, when you subscribe, you'll receive the first chapter of my book as a special gift. Plus, when you subscribe, you'll start receiving bi-weekly emails packed with valuable resources, updates, and leadership tips to fuel your growth. But that's not all. Like I said, the resource page has been enhanced, and now it provides a lot of additional tools for schools and leaders. So make sure to explore the resources that are on there, including the social-emotional learning platform with TeacherFit and the exclusive executive functioning course with Organized Binder. To access all these updated resources and to stay in the loop with the latest in leadership, be sure to visit joshtamper.com, sign up for the newsletter, and make sure that you're checking out those brand new partnerships with TeacherFit and Organized Binder. All right, let's get to our conversation with Rita Wirtz as she shares so many tips about leadership and really expands on the lessons learned through the many roles that she's had over the years. We also dive into really impactful books. Stay with us for this important conversation. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua Double underscore Stamper. Well, Aspire Leaders, I want to tell you that I am so excited and honored to have my guest today. And I've been connected with her for a while. I've seen her from afar. She has vast experience and she's just a wonderful human being. Rita, thank you so much for joining me on Aspire to Lead. Thank you for asking me. Rita, <laughs> you have been in so many different roles. I mean, the list is long. You've been a Title I evaluator. You've been a curriculum coordinator, a school yeah. principal, a reading instructor, a teacher, a special needs educator. I mean, you have done the full gamut and I cannot wait for my listeners to learn more about you. So if you wouldn't mind, would you just share a little bit about your educational and leadership journey and all the fantastic things that you're doing? <laughs> I've been an educator a long, long time, and I don't think there's any be- anything better than being a, a teacher. I'm still teaching always. All of us, everybody's a teacher now. And I, I've been really blessed. I started teaching really young. In fact, I, I started off by going with my mother to adult ed. I was about 11 or 12, and I got really, this is what I want to do. You know, these guys couldn't read as adults, so it was horrifying to me. So I decided right then and there, I was going to do that for my life. And I did. So I went through school in three years and I was in the classroom by 20. And (laughs) so I student taught in uh, seventh and eighth grade reading. And then um, I taught high school. I was credentialed for high school. I had a lot of credentials along the way, um, reading masters and Oh, goodness. I think the most interesting thing that was not on my administration was probably, I mentioned you earlier, learning hypnosis and NLP, because uh, neurolinguistics is is really the way to go and hypnosis to be able to not only do speed reading, which I do, but also to be able to work with peak performance. So I spent my whole career really working with the concept of what makes a champion and how do we get in the zone and how we stay there. Long before anybody started to talk about champions, I was already doing it 
In fact, in 02, I wrote my first program, Reading Champions, Teaching Reading Made Easy. The new version came out in 21. I did that during the lockdown, so that's the second edition. So along the way, it is true. I was school principal, a curriculum coordinator for uh, Sac County Office of Ed, and all those things. There's a lot of stuff. But what people really don't know is for about 13 years, I worked for corrections, first in Arizona and then in California. And <laughs> I worked with teachers right in the prisons. I met Leslie Van Houten. Yes, I did. And I walked the line at DVI and I was helping teachers in cell study at San Quentin. So I did that for a number of years, including taking little tiny planes to out of the way places where they were sticking kids. So I felt then that this isn't a good way to go. And the school to prison pipeline was, in fact, true. Uh, my master's thesis was on the role of uh, delinquency prevention and reading because most of those kids couldn't read. So that's kind of where it started. Along the way, I taught for uh, three California universities. I taught in the bilingual cohort, uh, all school administration courses for Sac State. And then uh, same time or nearly I was teaching for uh, National and Chapman universities. Uh, it was also administration for National. But Chapman was all credential courses and all the reading credential courses, all of them from K-12. I even team taught a K-12 reading course. So that was really exciting. Um, along the way, then I, I was a founder. I started my own business after the principalship. Uh, it was called, that one was called Paradigms and Promises. And then it went to Reading Champs. How I got called Mrs. Words <laughs> along the way was uh, kind of fun when uh, the kids could never say words, W-I-R-T-Z. And my late husband <laughs> gave me that name and I stood by it. I used it to teach boss E-R, you know, A-R-E-R-I-R-O-R-U-R. -E -R -E -R -R -E -R. Um, also along the way, I would be at a school and all of a sudden <laughs> I was at a high school one day. I'd been working there and that one was in Sacramento. So I went there all the time. I went there one day after school and I was walking down the hall and this kid, this giant kid came yelling, hey, reading lady. <laughs> and so I had I had those experiences. Uh, some of the more wonderful things that happened to me along the way was I uh, opened a program I called House Calls. And so for a number of years, I alternated where I did university teaching on Monday night, and then I hit the road for seminar companies Tuesday to Thursday or Tuesday to Friday. I traveled the country city to city, and then very often I stayed with principals and teachers, if not in hotels. So I did that for a long, long time. When I did that, I worked in almost 600 classrooms, and that became the, the basis of my, my next book was uh, Reading Champs. That's still up on Amazon. Well, actually, my memoir is on Amazon. I wrote that in 19, and then in 21, I went back during lockdown, and I did a uh, second edition of the original Reading Champions. The original edition was super exciting because San Diego County Office of Education filmed me. They did three videos with me teaching cold, walking in with classes, K-12 special needs, SED, severely emotionally disturbed kids. I hate labels. So I had that. And then uh, California ASCD, the curriculum group, uh, did the book guide and sponsored it. So I had that going with the book, the book guide, another book guide from ASCD, and then three videos went with that original program. That I condensed down in 21 to just the book. The most exciting things of all were always uh, the unexpected. For example, during this period, um, I bounced back and forth, I said, between university teaching on the road, one week with seminar companies, but the second week would be my personal work, and that was the house calls programs and all my keynotes. So very often I would keynote on a Monday, 
and then work in the district the rest of the week. I'd start off with a keynote and then I would work in the classrooms with the teachers. Instead of sitting and doing staff development and talking to them, I went in their classrooms and taught with them. And I did that while I was a principal too. I hung out in classrooms with teachers. So I think that a time, for example, when I was doing a keynote in San Luis Obispo for a, again, labels, learning disabilities conference. I hate labels. I don't like labels. We don't call kids struggling kids. They're scholars in waiting. They're at promise readers. They're not struggling. I also, by the way, don't believe in failure or teaching kids how to fail. We'll fail enough. I believe in feedback, no failure. So anyway, I was there at this disabilities conference. My, my late husband happened to come on that one. And I said to the audience before I did the breakouts, I said, now listen to me. If you guys want to stay afterward, go sit in the courtyard, grab a chair, or sit on the floor or on the ground or whatever, and I'll join you. So I said, William, I said, you know, William, I'm, I'm very tired. It's about 5.30. But before we head back, uh, I promised those people, let's go see if anybody's there. The whole courtyard was full. There must have been almost 100 people sitting on the ground. And like, wow, what <laughs> what I do, what I say? And they wanted to know about their kids. They were, you know, they're all special needs. And I'm like, your kids are perfect. It's just all kids learn best differently. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. We talked about I have three books on Amazon, but what you don't know also is that I've written about 12. Most of the rest of them are out of print. One in particular I always think about bringing back, and that's Stephen's story. While I was teaching university, the credential courses, before I followed them into student teaching and mentored them there as well, I had every student in every course I taught, including administration, had to tutor X hours. And this was just part of the curriculum I put in. So I did it too. So one of the students... Corinne came to me and said, Rita, I don't know what to this little guy. He's really needing a lot of help. He's running away from school. He's got so many issues. Da, da, da. I, I, don't, I can't help him. I'm not ready. So I met him and I saw what was going on with him. And I'm like, the child has dyslexia. This child is brilliant. So I worked with him and my husband. We took him everywhere. And at that time we were in the mountains and he got to go on a boat. He went on field trips. In any event, Took him a, a while to catch on, and then he did. And he went on to become a straight-A student. He went to UC Santa Cruz. He graduated with all A's with honors. And uh, he got a, a great job right away. He was going to start his master's in, in Germany. And instead, he went on and contacted SpaceX and became a rocket scientist. So when you have a whole life of stories like that, if we talk about aspire to lead, I can't think of a single position I didn't have except a school superintendent. And to be honest, I couldn't pull it off in those days because I've been at this a long time now. It was almost impossible for a woman to get a school superintendent. It was only 5%. Now it's about 20% when you have all women teachers. Not, But I mean, in retrospect, and I'm, I'm sorry, perspective. For sure. So that's when I went ahead and I started my own business because I couldn't, there was no place to move. And I love being a principal, but kind of been there, done that, what's next. And since I couldn't, I couldn't move up. Uh, I just it couldn't, it couldn't happen. So at some time, one of the points I want to make today is you have to pivot. You have to pivot. 
And another example of somebody who pivoted actually with Jimmy Buffett recently. Mm -hmm. You read about Jimmy Buffett. He didn't just sing his songs or write his books. I mean, that guy was multi-talented and he learned how to pivot early and people maybe didn't know that. But for all of us, we have to be able to pivot like boom. And we all have career stages that we go through and we all have legacy that we care about. And it's about purpose and passion and drive to get to where we have our vision, which needs to be visioneering. Can't be us top down. It has to be shared leadership. And so that's kind of some of my weird stuff. <laughs> that's like, that's like a, a, a fraction. You know, I, I taught um, 30 children while I took care of my husband in the mountains. Um, Miwok Indian children, the bottom percentile kids, kids that were not making it in homeschool kids. So I did that for a number of years too while he was ill. Um, excuse me, before I, I moved to uh, Oregon from California. Mm -hmm. so, oh, last but not least was starting with secondary and then ending up as a preschool principal and uh, K-6. I went back to teach preschool after I moved to teach <laughs> literacy grant. So that was really different. And I wrote a lot about that in my memoir. There's many stories about me learning how to teach preschool. Although I'd been a preschool principal, I was credential for it. And I'd also done a whole bunch of uh, keynotes for Head Start and EC, uh, uh, Early Childhood Education and NIAC, all the childhood groups. So you know, You've done it all, Rita. You know, it's amazing. Not really, but, not, but thank you. Now, the last year's what I focused on was, uh, beside keynote stuff, uh, a lot of webinars, a lot of international mm -hmm. work and uh, writing. I've got uh, 205 blogs up on VAM Internet Radio now, wide variety. So I still love to write. I did knock one out on Sunday that was very emotionally raw for me to write. I talk about life, literature, kids, teaching, administration, leadership. So it's really a wide variety. But I still love to blog. I love to do articles, uh, a lot of podcasts, a lot of video casts. Um, and then this year, just for the fun of it, I, I went on LinkedIn Live, Hour of Empower with Donald Cohn. And I did uh, 21 shows with him. And then a couple more, <laughs> a couple more along the way. Yeah. Rita, I was going to touch on something that you said. There's I've been, I've been taking notes on like just all of your vast experience. And there's a couple of things that I didn't know about you. And I, I really don't dive well, into it. Stuff I don't know about I know, right? So <laughs> you talked about uh, being licensed in hypnosis oh, yeah. and that is a world I am foreign to. So I no. want to know, is there any connections from that experience and what that work to oh, yeah. leadership? And is there any lessons that you experienced through that that have helped you along the way within your journey? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, for a year. Now, honestly, I didn't get my doctorate. I have <laughs> everything else. I have so many credentials and um, whatnot, but and, and degrees. I have more than I need. I didn't get my doctorate because at the time I had four children at home, his and ours together. And then also... I have a lot of excuses why I didn't do it. And it, they didn't have the program yet at Sac State. And I couldn't figure out how to leave being a principal and leave for a month, leave the kids, leave my family. I was very devoted to what I was doing at our school after we turned to school. So I decided what would be real useful as I was really um, embarking as a keynoter. And it ended up I was keynoting incessantly, just incessantly. So I wanted to get better. So I studied the world's greatest leaders, the uh, greatest ministers, et cetera. And then I decided that I needed to get into peak performance work, which led me to NLP, neuro linguistics, the how to get rapport, how to get in the zone, how to stay in the zone. So from that, 
the hypnosis part, honestly, I did that because I was uh, way beyond studying reading my master's in reading and teaching everybody reading teachers, teachers, how to teach reading teachers, teachers, teachers. But what I wanted to know was how to photo read. Now, nobody could teach me how to photo read. Now, what that was is you actually looked at a page and you take a look and you take a picture. You have to be in a kind of a trance, kind of a relaxed state. And then you take a picture of the page, boom, and you've got it. So I wasn't able to completely photo read, but very close. So I can read up and down and sideways and all over and get most of everything in the page. So I used that to work with teachers on visual perceptual skills. I also took two levels of brain gym and I'm, I'm friends with the Denison's also good friends. In fact, I did a session. I brought them to uh, everyone Academy and we did a fast track reading with brain gym where they came and joined us. So that was fun. So hypnosis, I've used also the suggestibility parts in leadership. The NLP is about the rapport and how you can bring down an angry parent or somebody who's not doing well, how you can get better rapport with children and get into the learner's world better. Um, I know we nixed <laughs> modalities. I don't know why gardeners work in learning styles because it's very real. And I can look at people's eyes and know how they're processing information. All the original stuff with Bandler Brinder is still accurate. I hate to tell you this, but one of the books I wrote was about NLP in the classroom and perfectionist read. I decided it wasn't good enough. I threw it out. I didn't even keep a disc at that time. But I used hypnosis also and suggestibility to get kids' attention when I went into these strange classrooms. And you go with high schoolers who are like, who's that little shrimpy lady up there, you know? Well, how do you get rapport with them when they really didn't want to be taught or have somebody in there? Well, I'd start off with a little suggestibility. Well, I did that one time. It was in Colorado, and it was a beautiful school, a huge auditorium. The high school student or teachers absolutely went right to the top. I told them they had to come down or I wouldn't do anything. So they came down to the front with the elementary people who were right in the front row, right? They're way up. I've been there. I get you guys. So they came down and I had a teacher come down and I did a suggestibility and she went right down to the floor. So I'm like, I better not do that again. And if I did that today, I would probably get sued. So how to get in somebody's world is what it's about. And Brad Hughes also taught me something about a year ago with something he said, and he knows every now and then I bring him up again because he always said, ask a second question. So one of my messages today, well, I've already given you a couple. First of all, there's no such thing as failure. It's only feedback. Second of all, we need to get rid of the acronyms. Quit calling kids struggling readers. They're not. They're at promise uh, readers and scholars. Okay. And uh, the other thing is about you have to get into the learner's world and get into the other person's world to get real rapport. And you can do that through neurolinguistics because you can move your body physically. You can uh, use your word changes in your eyes and all. So it goes together. So the hypnosis part is beside the power of suggestion. Today is the best day we're going to have. If you say today, I know the, the work is going to be hard. Then we go to the predicate and we only hear hard. Today, the work is hard. Or I, I know you can't do this, but do your best. Or let's give them a leveled reader that's nothing they're interested in because we don't think they can do it. So my thing is always about reaching for the stars, and that includes using words that matter. We don't use negative words in front of children. Oh, the learning loss is so bad. I mean, you know, what are we going to do now? These kids are so behind. No, the children are all doing great. The teachers are doing great under 
the most profound circumstances. So those three things alone. And then I also mentioned the pivot because we all have career stages and we all need to know how to pivot because things change every day, all day. And for administrators, my other big message is get out of the office, no matter what it takes. Get out of the office and be on the bus, be on the playground, everything you already know, be in the cafeteria, read to the kids in line, read to the kids in the cafeteria, read to the kids in your office. And there you go. So those are a couple little kickers I'm going to throw right in there. What else do you want to know? Well, I want to know about your book. I, you know, for those who are watching Which or one? maybe listening on the podcast players, oh. I have video up on YouTube, both on my channel and <laughs> at Teach Better. So you can go to youtube.com slash at Joshua Stamper. You can actually see Rita and her beautiful pin that she's wearing. Uh, that says read, which is so in line with what you're all about. Um, yeah. I love your feedback, not failure, you know, getting rid of all of the ridiculous labels that we are putting on our kids every single day. And I really want to touch on your fantastic book. Uh, I know there's a second edition you said um, that's yeah. out reading champions, teaching, reading. I can easy. show you that they'll be flip. They'll be backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I'll flip them up here. There's three on Amazon. And Perfect. They're really all great. I've got bunches of them sitting here. I never get up this first time ever, but honestly, I don't know. I kept thinking this wasn't going to be seen today, so I hope I look okay. I've been you look fun. wonderful. I've been kind of in a funk right now, so I don't know that they know, but I just had a, a cancer diagnosis, so I'm well, well. You put that on LinkedIn, and yeah. people are sending you love left and right, yep. including myself, and I'm honored to have you here. Well, here's one. This is Stories from a Teacher's Heart, and this is on Amazon. This is a beautiful, oh, God, I love that book. Um, yes. The story about that book was I wrote the ad in 19, and when it came out, I had bought 250 books, literally, that I sent out, uh, that I sent out with all the stuff in it and everything. And when the books came, the font was too small, and they had to redo the book. And then I rebought 250 more and sent them back out to replace those. I absolutely love that book. Now, my little book, my reading champs, this is a neat book. This I started in 08 when William got uh, sick. I put it down, and so I finished that in 14. This is terrific. It's really great um, as far as linguistics uh, behind, and it's just one thing after another. I do not get into the reading wars because it's been going on ever since I've been a teacher. Uh, so I stay with skills all the time, what skills the kids need to know. Uh, phonemic awareness, phonics, uh, uh, vocabulary, spelling. Boy, do I know how to teach spelling. And uh, comprehension, of course, reading and content. I've done a lot of webinars on cross-reading. This is probably my, my favorite book of all. This one I did. This is the second edition of the original Reading Champions. Now, why I love this book, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, it's my best of best of. And number two, I was able to pull this off during during the lockdown, which meant I had to finish the book for camera ready. I had to do that in Acrobat. And I don't have the skills to do that. I really don't. It's, you're not supposed to write a book in Acrobat. So why this is unusual, it's not perfect because of production errors that I couldn't catch. I couldn't see a last galley like I always do. And I'm a perfectionist. I would have caught any typo or any margin off. Why this is phenomenal is it's a full-size page so that teachers can grab it. It doesn't matter what programs they're doing. It's just uh, the creme brulee, the whipped cream for teaching skills. It's hacks, strategies, uh, games, activities, cheers, chants, real active 
that they can grab and it's full size pages where they can slap it up there. So that's why I, I particularly love that one. The, all three of those are on Amazon, all the rest, which I'm not going to show. They're all out of print. Well, I'm going to put links on my <laughs> website. So joshshepard.com, you'll find Rita's episode and you'll find not only her social media links, but her website. And then of course, all the links that go straight to her variety of fantastic resources. So uh, I'm so excited that you were able to share about that book. Rita, I always ask, and and I think you're a perfect person for this. You know, you have this, this beautiful concept of reaching for the stars. And I, I think you, your story says that in, in twofold, but then also even on your website, you, you've got stars, you know, on your main page and um, it's such a beautiful imagery. And so I want to know for our aspiring or current leaders, if there's one or two things that they can do tomorrow, next week to really enhance their leadership journey, what would you advise them to do? The The reason that I was successful as a school principal is, is only one reason, because I went into the hardest school I could find. The most, most challenging, again, hardest is not a good word either. Um, the reason that I did that was because the only way is up. I wanted to see what could happen if you got a group of people together at any one time that were like-minded, that felt that something different could be done. So I think that the main thing is to get the rapport with the teachers. And so I did that by throwing out lesson plans after the first week, except for those states that have a lot of tournament by June 30th. I got rid of lesson plans. Instead, I went in the classrooms every day with the teachers and taught with them. When you teach with them, you know how they teach. You don't need to go in and do an evaluation. They should be self-evaluating with you. So that's very successful by going in the classroom and co-teaching, not just doing walkthroughs. The second thing that that made it really successful was that, and this is after first year with grievances and stuff against me because I had to stop people from hitting kids, literally. Yeah. The second thing that made us successful is that we played. Um, I got in trouble a lot. I got called in a lot because I did stuff without asking because I'm just that way and badass. And so we went to bowling, for example, on one staff development day. They needed to bowl more than they needed to do. Here's somebody else. And then I brought in, we had uh, Fred Jones for class management and, and Harry Wong we had in there. I brought in good people, but they didn't just come and shoot it out. They went in the classrooms and I went in the classrooms, So we all learned it all together. So I think that that's the key. I keep always coming back to the same thing. Um, I'm still friends with almost every teacher that I either hired or that I worked with during the principalship, I hear from them. Three of them just retired this year, people that I brought on as student teachers I, or I hired. And to have people care about you so many years later after all the things I did in between, it's, uh, it's all about that. It's about, we talk about building relationships with the children, but the culture of the school is the most important thing. And you have to have a culture where people get in each other's classrooms. You stop the wasted meetings. You let teachers sign up to have it in their room. And then they get to go room to room and talk to each other. And this is my room. And they lead the meetings. So by sharing the leadership and by making teachers more important than us, by stopping, by not saying my school, my teachers, my kids, our school, our teachers, our kids, this shared leadership works and we must be in those classrooms and take out all the extra junky meetings, all the extra junk, get the teachers what they need and get them the stuff off their plate. And we're looking at autonomy. 
If I had my druthers in this world, I'd get rid of all standardized testing and put the money right in the teachers' pockets and in the classrooms. So that's about it. It's about building that bond with teachers so you could come and do evaluation tomorrow without even anything because you've seen them teach every day. And then if it doesn't go well, you say, that's all right, reschedule. What do we want to work on next time I come in? That's what evaluation is. Haven't been an evaluator all those years, which people didn't know. Evaluation is not to prove, it's to improve. And it's self-evaluation. What do I need to know? And what do I need to do to get it? Because teachers, they, they, they walk. Yeah. So the whole thing is, how do I get the kids to flow state? How do we make a learning celebration for the children? How do we have parents feel welcome and part of what we're doing? so that there aren't adversarial elements. So that's it. It's all about relationships and building those bonds. And that's where rapport comes in. And that's where NLP comes in too. Wow, Rita. I hope my listeners are taking notes because there was <laughs> so much wonderful content in that answer. And I know that, like I said, you're making such a huge difference across this country. And I want my listeners to be able to connect with you as soon as possible. So is there a website? Yeah. I know there is a website that you can yeah. share and... Well, my website, I must say, I'm, I'm behind because I'm so active. I have to catch yeah. that up. But um, if you happen to be on LinkedIn, I just redid my, my page on LinkedIn. I've had a yep. wonderful time since I went back on LinkedIn last year uh, meeting people. So that's really very great. I'm still on Twitter. I've got about 18,000 people on X still. I'm not on it as much with all the changes, but I do go on yep. the threads. And I like to participate still. Uh, I was in formative chat. I'm close with Barbara Bray. We've done stuff. But more than that, I want not more than that in the platforms and stuff. What I'm, I want to push is that you and I are joining the most extraordinary team ever, and that's School <laughs> Pro K-12 with Dr. Eric Scanson. Yes, ma'am. That's awesome. I have said often that I'm in the literacy team, and I will be back. We're looking to, we're booking now for December. I can't do it right now. I'm on a little break. Yep. But. Then get you and all the other wonderful people. So um, I have a link right on my LinkedIn page to click right into School Pro with Dr. Scanson. But I want to make yes. sure get that little thing in there, Eric, because he's got great people. Eric is amazing. And I'm so <laughs> proud to be connected with you and so many fantastic educators in that space. I will also put the link in my show notes and on my website here at joshtamper.com. So Rita, you are just a joy. It has been phenomenal to be connected, but even better to be in your presence today, to learn from you and hear all the fantastic things that you've done, not only in your past, but what you're continuing to do in the oh, future with your many programs. You are a joy and thank you so much for being on Aspire to Lead. Thank you so much. I hope everybody is aspiring to lead. There's nothing better than being a leader. 